0: Hello, welcome back to another edition of the Wrestling Highlights of the Week presented by My Two Sense Podcast hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to bring you Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, uh, Impact Wrestling. And until the G1 Climax is over, I'll be giving you guys the G1 Climax standings, where they're at, at the end of the episode. Also, at the end of this particular episode, I'll be giving you my predictions for NXT's Great American Bash, which will be happening Sunday. Now, to start the show, we'll go off on Monday Night Raw. We'll start with the Judgment Day being in the middle of the ring. Everyone's there except for Dominic Mysterio. The Judgment Day would gloat about how they run the entire WWE. Finn Balor would play a special video package of Dominic winning the NXT North American Championship last Tuesday on NXT. Then they would give Dom this big entrance. Dom will walk to the ring. No pyro, no nothing. Dom just comes out holding the NXT Championship, letting the crowd. Boo Dom. Dom's embracing the booze. Once Dom gets in the ring, the crowd would heavily boo Dominic as usual. Dom would try to speak, but then he would just say, screw it, play my video. And then you would see them play a video of Dom's uh, greatness, quote-unquote, since he's been in the Judgment Day, to him uh, eventually winning the NXT North America Championship. Then the Unified Tag Team Champions, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, will walk out on that stage. Kevin Owens would say this is like deja vu because they did this last week. Kevin Owens would continue to talk and Dom would interrupt him saying that he is tired of being disrespected. He's a champion. Sami Zayn would say that Dominic is correct. He is being disrespected because the people don't respect him. So, Sammy would throw out a challenge to Dom for a match later in the night. Dominic would accept. Sammy would remind Dominic of last week when the Judgment Day pressed him and Kevin Owens for a tag team title match. They got it because Kevin Owens and Sami are fighting champions. Now it's time for Dominic to return the favor since Dom says he is a fighting champion. Dominic at first will start to wave his hands no, but Rhea will step in and say that Dominic accepts. And there you have it. So we have our match later tonight. May 4th, Sami Zayn going against Dominic Mysterio for the NXT North America Championship but the first match of the night would be Becky Lynch versus Zoe Starks with Trish Stratus in Zoe's corner. Becky would win the match by pinfall by catching Zoe off of her springboard with a manhandle slam for the win. So now Becky will be facing Trish Stratus at a time to be announced. So that rematch has been confirmed, which we all knew what was going to happen. It's kind of how the storyline kind of goes here. Next up was Cody Rhodes for his in-ring promo. Cody would talk about what happened last week with Brock beating him up. With a chair in front of his mother, Cody will say that Brock doing that was a mistake. And Cody plans on embarrassing Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. And that's basically the gist of Cody's promo here. I want them to make Cody versus Brock some type of stipulation match at SummerSlam. Because it feels that it's warranted for a specialty type match. Because this rivalry between Cody and Brock has been feeling kind of bleh. Because Brock, he'll appear once in a while. And Cody's just out there trying to hype up this thing between him and Brock. Next week, Brock's supposed to return, so hopefully they got one more week to at least give them some type of stipulation for their upcoming match, but hopefully they do so. Now, next up, NXT North America Championship match. Sami Zayn with Kevin Owens in his corner going against the champion Dominic Mysterio, who had Rhea and Damian Priest in his. Dominic would win the match by pinfall thanks to Rhea and Damian Priest because earlier in the match, The ref would toss Kevin Owens, Rhea Ripley, and Damian Priest to the back, leaving Dom to wrestle Sammy. Now, towards the end of the match, Sami Zayn would hit Dominic Mysterio with an exploder suplex into the corner, and as he was waiting for Dominic to get to his feet so he can deliver the Hulu kick, Sami would look at the stage and see Priest and Rhea throw Kevin Owens' body on the stage, and Kevin Owens looks hurt. So this would allow Dominic to go and quickly roll up Sami Zayn and hook his tights for the win to retain his championship because Sami Zayn took his eye off the ball. So Dominic is still your NXT North American champion. Now, next up, Tommaso Champa going against Bronson Reed. But before this match happened, we had a backstage segment with Nakamura and Tommaso Champa. Tomaso will tell Nakamura that he has a match with Bronson. He doesn't need Nakamura to come out there to interfere. And he would say, Listen, I understand I kind of interfered in your match last week, and you kicked me in the chest. I'll give you that. But that's your only freebie that you get. Don't come out and interrupt mine. Because if you do, we're going to have problems. Now, does Nakamura heed by that warning? No. Because Nakamura will come out. He will stand on the ramp. Tommaso Champa will be distracted by Nakamura. And this will allow Bronson Reed to hit Tommaso with a running shoulder block off the apron. Then throw Tommaso into the ring and hit the Tsunami for the win. So Bronson Reed wins his match against Tommaso Champa. And now it seems that we're going to have some beef between Nakamura and Tommaso. I just wish that we could have got this match in their prime whenever they both were in NXT. Uh, that's what I wish. But since they're on the main roster, hopefully we get that nakamura tommaso Chapo style battle that we would have gotten if they were in NXT on the main roster. Hopefully, but time will tell. Next up, we were supposed to get Liv Morgan going against Rhea Ripley because Liv is trying to get revenge for Rhea putting Raquel on the injured list. But that match does not happen because Rhea would attack Liv Morgan from behind as Liv will make her entrance. Rhea would throw Liv's uh, shoulder first into the barricade. Then she would throw Liv into the ring post, shoulder first. Rhea would then go by the Timeskeeper area, grab Liv's left arm, and yank it on top of the barricade, hurting Liv's arm more. Rhea would then get a chair, place it in the ring, Liv would get in the ring, and Rhea would hit her with a headbutt, then place Liv's arm inside of the chair and stomp on it. Now, this would send out a referee and a trainer to come down to the ring. Liv is yelling in agony because her arm just got stomped on. Rhea Ripley would be there trash-talking Liv, and before Rhea would leave the ring, you will see Rhea once again put Liv's arm back in the chair and stomp on it yet again. So, now we have this wondrous of... Is Raquel going to pop up next week to get at Rhea Ripley? Or are they going to have Rhea Ripley be this big, dominant, indestructible type bully on the Raw roster here until Raquel comes back and then we actually get a proper Raquel and Rhea match set up? Because I don't think they're going to have one next week. I don't think they're going to have one at SummerSlam. I think they're going to wait some time, let Rhea be this bully that she's being, and then Raquel pops up, we get that matchup, Shayna is supposed to be having her business with Ronda, probably when uh, Shayna gets done with Ronda, we're probably going to have Rhea Ronda, not Ronda, but Rhea Shayna business, and probably some other stuff. But right now, it seems like they're just building Rhea up to be this uh, big, indestructible bully for her women's division, and it's working quite well. Now next up, Ricochet in-ring promo. This is the first time we actually get Ricochet actually being in the ring, having mic time, and Ricochet does okay. Ricochet is out here because he's calling out Logan Paul. He has beef with Logan. Uh, Ricochet will state that he knows Logan is somewhere in the arena, and he will still continue to call out Logan, but Logan would not come out. Ricochet, in this beef with Logan Paul, he's playing like the veteran role as Logan is playing the arrogant rookie. Ricochet will say that there are people in the back that feel that Logan Paul doesn't belong here, but Ricochet doesn't share that sentiment because he kind of sees how people will say that Logan is special and he gives it up to him. But Ricochet says that he's special every single day and that Logan doesn't respect this business or the people in the back. So Ricochet would decide to issue a challenge to Logan Paul for a match at SummerSlam. Now, once Ricochet throws out that challenge, Logan Paul would attack Ricochet from behind. Logan will grab his phone, start recording, get a mic and say that he accepts Ricochet's challenge. Logan will start taunting the crowd And he would miss Ricochet getting to his feet. And Ricochet would super kick Logan. Ricochet would then hit Logan Paul with a shooting star press. Then stand over Logan. And there you have it. Ricochet still being that guy. Still getting one-upmanship on Logan Paul. I like that they're doing this. Because again, Ricochet, he doesn't get that much time to really like be in a storyline of this magnitude or just in a storyline in general. And for him to have this and it's against someone like Logan Paul, I'm not mad at it. I just hope that Ricochet wins at the end of it all. Let him and Logan have a great spectacular uh, fest of a match at SummerSlam, but I want Ricochet to win. That's what I want, but we'll have to wait and see. Now, next up, match between Damian Priest and Apollo Cruz. Priest would win the match by pinfall using South of Heaven Chokeslam for the win. Solid. Next up, Imperium. Imperium will come down to the ring for Gunther's face-to-face confrontation with Drew McIntyre. Drew will come out. Drew will say that he's ready for a championship match tonight. They don't have to wait. But, Gunther will say that he has other plans. Gunther would trash talk about how Drew has failed at Clash of the Castle and at WrestleMania. But, he would give Drew his match, but it's going to have to be at SummerSlam. Now, since Gunther mentioned Mania, Drew will talk about... A story that he and Sheamus first met and how their match, well, their dream match, was for them to have a one-on-one match at Mania. And they got to do this at this past Mania. 10 minutes just beating the crap out of each other. And Gunther sliding in like a vulture and picking the bones and winning the match. Drew would then tell Gunther that that's not going to happen this time at SummerSlam. Because this time it's just going to be the two of them. Ludovic Kaiser will interrupt Ludwig Kaiser would say, how dare you disrespect the ring general? Drew Magatai would tell Ludwig that he actually likes him. He actually has some moxie, some charisma, and that he figures that Ludwig Kaiser should be uh, be the leader of Imperium. Ludwig would then say, how dare you disrespect Imperium? So now this will lead to a match between Drew and Ludwig Kaiser. Drew would win the match by pinfall, hitting a Claymore kick for the win. After the match, Giovanni Vinci would get on the apron distract Drew McIntyre. This allowed Gunther to come behind Drew and hit him with a German suplex. Giovanni Vinci would join in on the beatdown on Drew McIntyre until Matt Riddle would come down to the ring to make the save. Riddle would take down Giovanni Vinci, hit him with a knee to the face, then go after Gunther, but Riddle would eat a big boot for his troubles. Gunther would then powerbomb Riddle in the ring. Now, Gunther would see Drew McIntyre outside of the ring and... Gunther would go outside of the ring, clear off the commentary table, and he would try to powerbomb Drew through the table, but Drew would reverse it with a backdrop uh, suplex, or just a backdrop in general. Drew would then pick up Gunther, hit him with a powerbomb through the commentary table, and then you see Drew go over to the Intercontinental Championship, grab it, hold it up over Gunther's body. Again, build up for their match at SummerSlam. Now, main event segment, contract signing between Seth Rollins and Finn Balor here. You got two of the guys in the ring. This is a Mind Games matchup from Seth to Finn. Seth would tell Finn that he knows, just like the rest of the people, that Finn has no chance of walking out of SummerSlam as champion. And Seth would not name the scenarios for Finn at SummerSlam. One, Seth beats Finn and the people sing his song. And two, just so happen, if Finn wins the championship, he's going to be a far less, well, his reign's is going to be lesser than his first one. Because Damian Priest is going to cash in the money in the bank on him at that moment, because that's what Finn would do to Damian if Finn was in Damian's position. Now Seth will say that Summerslam will be the end of the Judgment Day. Finn, he will sign the contract. Finn will say that Seth has his all figured out, but he doesn't, because Finn is tired of eating losses. He's being lost at the loss at the loss. For the past 7 years. And he wants to scratch this itch. This long 7 year itch. And as Finn is speaking. The Judgment Day will start coming from various locations. And they will start crowding the ring. Now Seth knows that he's outnumbered. Outmatched. He starts just gunning for one member of Judgment Day at a time. He goes after uh, Damien Priest first. Flinging the table at him. Then he goes after Finn. Uh, Dom gets in. Dom gets beat up by Seth. Seth then gets started getting mauled by everyone until Sami Zayn comes out. Sami comes out with a chair. He's able to hit Priest with it, hit Finn with it. He's about to hit Dom with it, but Rhea will grab it. And now Sami gets beat up by the Judgment Day. Priest would hit Sami with a South Heaven choke slam, and then Dom would kick Sami out of the ring. Now, Seth gets beaten up by the rest of Judgment Day. He gets a finish from each of them, except for Rhea. First, we'll start with Priest. He will hit Seth with a Razor's Edge. Then Don will hit Seth with a frog splash. And then Finn will end it off with a coup de grasse. Finn would then place the World Heavyweight Championship on Seth. And your final image would be the Judgment Day standing over Seth Rollins to end Monday Night Raw. Solid segment to end Raw. I like the contract signing. Again, I like this more. Uh, ruthless side of Finn. If he happens to win a SummerSlam, that's great. But again, I think they're going to go with dating Priest cashing in on him because you had that moment even during this beatdown that you saw Finn and Priest staring at one another when Priest held the Money in the Bank briefcase because Seth was down at this moment. And again, you still have that confrontation. You still have these tense moments. It's just going to make it more better if Finn wins and Damian Priest happens to cash us in at that time, so we'll have to wait and see what happens at SummerSlam, but again, great moment to end Monday Night Raw, and with that, that's your Raw Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now let's move over to NXT. And NXT would open up with Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio, again continuing on with them saying that the Judgment Day rules over the WWE the same way that they said on Monday Night Raw. Rhea would turn to her attention with her match with Lyra Valkyria later in the night, but the former NXC North American champion Wes Lee will come to the ring angry. Wes will say that he finds it a disgrace that his historic championship reign came to an end last week by Dominic. Wes will call for a rematch later in the night, but then Mustafa Ali would come down to the ring and tell Wes that he respects him, but he does not respect Dominic. Ali would say that last week Dom cut in front of him and Ali was supposed to be the one to beat Wes at the Great American Bash to become the new North American champion. But Ali would call Wes a clown when he mentions Dom beating Wes. Ali would immediately regret that Wes would step up to Ali and tell him that he would drop him if he continues to talk reckless. Ali would then say it's part Wes' fault that Dom is champion because he didn't listen to Ali last week about not fighting Dominic. But Wes was too stupid. Now, Dom would break up this moment and say that this seems like a them problem and he doesn't care who he fights at the bash. And he even throws out the opinion that Rhea says that he could fight both of them. So Dom would then turn his attention to Ali and poke Ali and say that the champ is coming through and nudge Ali so he can move out of his way. Ali would throw a punch, Dominic would duck, and Ali would hit Wes. Now we have a brawl between Wes and Ali as they're brawling on the mat. Dominic would escape out of the ring with Rhea. And Dominic and Rhea would watch as Wes and Ali just brawl for a minute. And then Wes and Ali would both turn their heads at Dominic. And they just seen Dominic just being cocky, smiling. Because he got away again without nobody touching him. Now it was made official that at the Great American Bash. It would be Dominic defending his North American Championship. Against Wes, Lee, and Mustafa Ali in a triple threat match. Now next up. Six-man tag, The Schism, with Ava Reign in their corner, going Ilya Dragunov, Trick Williams, and the NXT champion, Carmelo Hayes. Carmelo, Ilya, and Trick would win the match by pinfall, when Melo would hit nothing but net on Joe Gacy. Now, there was something interesting about this match. Um, you would see Schism having members like in the audience with their yellow mask on, and two of those members would hop the barricade and pull the dyad off, The ring apron. Again, you can kind of tell by the build. It's the Creed Brothers because you don't see the Creed's nowhere. Yes, the Creed's was at uh, SmackDown just backstage, but they haven't been nowhere else beforehand since they lost their match against the Dyad a couple weeks ago. So, you can kind of tell by the build. These were the Creed's that pulled uh, the Dyad off the ring apron. Now, another interesting note was that during this match, you would see Ilya Inadvertently hit Trick Williams with the torpedo headbutt outside of the ring when Joe Gacy was beating up on Trick and Ilya was just running to hit Joe Gacy with the torpedo headbutt. Joe Gacy would move and that's how Ilya would hit Trick. Now, after the match, you see Trick getting upset. He wants to go after Ilya. Melo had to calm Trick down to the best of his ability. This would continue on during the night because again, you will see Ilya and Melo talk in the back. Melo tells Ilya that he respects. Ilya, he knows that was an accident, but he would tell Ilya that, listen, Trick is still upset with him. Trick will come around. He'll try to fight Ilya again. Melo will try to calm him down, and Trick will say he's going to call Ilya out to the ring later in the night. So we have that scheduled for later. Now, after this, we have Von Wagner with Mr. Stone in his corner going against Javier Bernal. Von Wagner would win the match by pinfall by hitting a side slam spine buster for the win. And this was all in quick fashion. Um, after the match, Von Wagner would see the commentary table. The crowd would start chanting for table. Von would appease him. And he would powerbomb Javier Burnell through the commentary table. Now, Von would listen to the fans cheering for him. And then out of nowhere, Braun Breaker would hit Von Wagner with a sick looking spear. I mean, Braun just got like the most sickening looking spear right now out of everybody like in wrestling that's on the mainstream um braun's spears is just looks legit like he's really trying to run through you when he hits you with it and he did that here with vaughn so then braun would then grab a chair from underneath the ring and try to hit vaughn wagner with the chair but vaughn wagner would move out of the way Braun would then try to hit Von again, but now you just start seeing referees and other officials coming down to separate Braun Breaker from Von Wagner, so we have this problem right now, and it just seems that Braun Breaker is kind of like the dude to just be pissed off and just want to just mow down anybody that he can, and that just seems like his trajectory on NXT until we actually move him to the main roster or they do something else with him, and I'm not mad at it because we just get Braun just mowing people down. I'm cool with that. But it just seems if that's their case, I just hope Braun just makes that abundantly clear. I'm just here to mow people down until I just want to move up to the main roster. That's what Braun needs to say. But again, this is still ominous. We don't know what Braun's really doing all this. But hopefully we get some uh type of justification later. Now, next up, Gable Stevenson. He comes down for in-ring promo. Gabe Steveson's out here to make his decision on his future, whether he goes to the Olympics and become a two-time. Uh, gold medalist in wrestling or go to college once again and become a three-time NCAA champion or join the WWE. But before Gabe can even say another word, Baron Corbin will come out and tell Gable that he needs to choose either of the two other options but don't pick the WWE. Baron would tell him that Gabe does not belong here and that this mat will show him Who he really is. Baron will say that he is a shark. And he is hungry. So this would basically give Gable the most easiest option. And he would tell Baron that you know what? You made my decision real easy. Why don't we have a match? My first match. My debut match at the Great American Bash. Gable would then quickly grab Baron. And hit him with a German suplex. Then transition it over to a belly to belly suplex. And... Baron will roll out of the ring. You start seeing officials coming out to separate Baron from trying to run back into the ring, to try to get at Gabe Steveson, and we get our match made official. At Great American Bash, Baron Corbin going against Gabe Steveson. First match ever, and you know what? I think Gabe Stevenson is going to do just fine. That man has been under WWE contract technically, I want to say, for almost going on three years And he has never, ever made his debut. Now he's finally making his debut. I know he was training under uh, Mr. Kennedy because Kennedy did an interview with someone, and he mentioned that. And I was just always wondering, when is Gabe Stevenson going to make his debut? And now that we know, well, I can't wait to see it. Now, next up, Kindle Stick match with Dana Brooke with Kalani Jordan in her corner going against Cora Jade. The Kindle Stick match was... Quite simple. No disqualification, but the weapon of choice majority for this match was kendo sticks. Dana would win the match by pinfall by hitting Cora Jade with a swan Tom bomb for the win. This match was highly dominated by Cora Jade. Cora was using Kindlesticks on Dana Brooke a lot during this match, and Cora would get too cocky. She would sit Dana Brooke on a chair and tell Kalani to watch this. Korra was going to knock Dana's head off with a kindle stick, but Kalani would get on the apron and tell Korra don't do it. Korra would run over to Kalani and try to hit Kalani with the kindle stick, but Kalani would drop off the apron. Korra would then ma- turn her attention towards Dana and walk towards Dana. Dana would then hit Korra with a drop toho, and Korra's face would hit face first on the chair. Now, this would turn the match into Dana's favor. You start seeing Dana beat up on Cora Jade, get a kindle stick from Kalani Jordan, start wailing on uh, Cora, and then that will lead to the Swanton Bomb for the win. So as I said, Cora Jade, she got cocky in this. She could have beat Dana Brooke, but again, her cockiness kind of was her downfall. Now next up, tag matchup. Tony D'Angelo and Stacks going against Bronco Nima and Lucien Price. Scripps will be on commentary during this match, so Scripps is with these two guys. And Tony and Stax would win the match by pinfall by hitting Price with a double flapjack. Thing to note, Axiom, he would get his revenge on Scripts. He would come out of nowhere, dropkick Scripts, start beating him up. Uh, he would take him to the back, start beating him up all the way up to the back. And that would exit Scripts to make sure he would not be able to interfere in this tag matchup here. Now, after the match was done, the NXT Tag Champions, Gallus, would appear on the screen... A warned Tony D'Angelo and Stax that they aren't going to walk out of the Great American Bash as the NXT Tag Team Champions. So we have that warning, and again, this is to build up more into their matchup that happens on Sunday. Next up, the Supernova Sessions, hosted by Metaphor, and their guest was Noam Dar. Noam Dar would still be in a comatose state, not moving, just sitting in a wheelchair at this moment, and like some trashy. Like teared up style clothes. Flash legend will recount six weeks ago when Noam Dor wasn't medically clear to compete against Nathan Fraser to defend his Heritage Cup and Oral Mensah took Noam's place and lost to Nathan. Lash will look into the records and then she will decide to bring out the Heritage Cup and show it to Noam Dor. Noam will start snapping out of the comatose state and start getting excited. Noam will go back to his showboating self. Holding the heritage cup, proclaiming himself as the true champion. But then you will see Dragon Lee and Nathan Frazier, who Nathan is holding his Heritage Cup, will come towards the ring. Now, Dragon and Nathan will question Noam Dar's legitimacy, asking who is the real Heritage Cup holder. And this will allow Valentino Forres and Alyssa Leon to pull out Last Legend and Jakari Jackson out of the ring so Dragon Lee and Nathan Fraser could fight uh, Noam Dar and Orminsa in the ring, throw them out, and then hit them with suicide dives. Now, it was made official that at the pre-show of the Great American Bash, we're going to get an eight-person tag. Metaphor going against Dragon Lee, Nathan Fraser, Valentina Forez, and Ulyssa Leone. Now, after this, our main event matchup would be Lyra Valkyria going against the women's world champion, Rhea Ripley, with Dominic Mysterio in her quarter. Rhea would win this match by pinfall by catching Lyra with a big boot to her midsection when Lyra will go for a springboard move. This will allow Rhea to hit a riptide for the win. And this basically just shows that Rhea has a lot of respect for Lyra Valkyria. She's trying to take Lyra underneath her wing and try to make Lyra basically prove herself at NXT. And Rhea will grab Lyra by the face after the match and tell her to prove herself and beat JC Jane. This is a woman that Lyra has been having a problem with, so Rhea wants Lyra to prove herself and prove that it's worthy of having Rhea Ripley's attention. So expect that match later, probably in the future. Now for the main event segment, Trick Williams, he will come down to the ring, call out Ilya Dragunov because, again, he wants his revenge from Ilya torpedo headbutting him earlier in the night. Ilya will come out. We get a brawl between Trick and Ilya outside of the ring. Trick is dominating that brawl. You will then see uh, Ilya basically kind of outmaneuver Trick Williams and start beating up on Trick. Then you'll see Trick and uh, Ilya get in the ring, start doing their business there. Trick will be manhandled by Ilya. He'll get chopped multiple times in the chest by Ilya in the corner. Constantly, constantly, until he was just drained and just down and out. And now when Trick Williams is down on the mat, you will see Ilya just clubber him with the forearm to the side of the face. And this was essentially like knockout Trick Williams. Ilya would get up, go to the corner, and then rush over and hit a jumping forearm to the side of Trick's face. And again, Trick is out. He's not moving. He's done for. He's kind of KO'd. You will see Ilya pick up Trick, bring him to the corner. And Ilya is going to the other corner, and he's like hyping himself up to deliver the torpedo headbutt. And whenever he runs over the Trick and he's about to hit him with it, you would then see Carmelo just pop into the ring and he would eat the torpedo headbutt from Ilya Dragunov. And this will lay out Carmelo. Now, Ilya would see Carmelo laid out. Trick is done for as he's sitting in the corner. Ilya would tell Melo that I appreciate your friendship with Trick Williams. You need to hold on to that because after the Great American Bash, that's the only thing you're going to be able to hold because I'm going to take your NXT championship away from you. And NXT will go off with Ilya holding the NXT title over a prone body of Carmelo Hayes. So that's how NXT will go off. I had no problem with this episode of NXT. Judgment Day, just showing themselves more on NXT and WWE programming or across the board isn't a bad thing. Because they're really trying to showcase as they're the next big top group as the blow line has basically collapsed down. And I'm cool with that. And hopefully we get, as I said before, previous episodes, main event talent coming down to the NXT roster. There's nothing to sneeze at that. That's always a good thing. Hopefully we get more of that. And also we get the vice versa of NXT talent still being NXT talent going up to the main roster. Hopefully that happens after uh, the Great American Bash, but we'll have to wait and see. Now with that, that's your NXT Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And now we move over to AEW Dynamite. However, before I talk about Dynamite, I have to talk about the results that happened at Ring of Honor's death before this honor, because Dynamite would be a continuation of an event that happened at that said show. Now, going over to Ring of Honor's death before this honor, you have Gravity going against Commander, and Gravity would defeat Commander. They will make note on commentary on Dynamite that Gravity is the brother of Bandito, so this was a surprise to me that Bandito even has a brother, but... Gravity is now here. He probably might be a mainstay in AEW coming soon, but I'll get to that later. Uh, Samoa Joe, he defeated Don Castle to retain his Ring of Honor Television Championship. Ozzy Open, they would defeat the Lucha Brothers, the Kingdom, and the Best Friends to win the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. The Mogul Embassy, they would defeat Leon Ruff and Master Wato and Taguchi to retain their ROH 6-Man Tag Team Championships. Shibata would... Defend his Ring of Honor Pure Championship against Daniel Garcia and win that match by pinfall to retain his championship. The Dark Order, which was consist of Evil Uno, Alex Reynolds, and John Silver, would defeat Stu Grayson and the Righteous in an honor uh, fight without honor, and that's basically their no holes barred match. Claudio Castagnoli he would defeat Pack by pinfall to retain his Ring of Honor World Championship, and after the match, Lucha Brothers would come out with. Uh, pack and they would def- uh, just beat up on Claudio and Willa Yuta would come out trying to help out Claudio. You would then get the best friends and Arch Cassidy to come out. Arch Cassidy would be in the ring staring down with Yuta as the best friends would take on the Death Triangle. Arch Cassidy would try to hit Yuta with an Orange Punch. Yuta would duck. Arch Cassidy will hit Claudio. So this would continue on into Dynamite and in the main event Athena would defeat Willow Nightingale to retain her Ring of Honor Women's Championship. And that's what happened on Ring of Honor, Death Before This Honor. Now moving over into what happened on Dynamite. We would start off with the AEW International Championship match. It will be Orange Cassidy defending his title against A.R. Fox. And we had a nice video package of Darby Allen explaining how A.R. Fox is important to him. That Darby moved away from Seattle, Washington to Atlanta, Georgia to expand his wrestling horizon and AR Fox was one of those guys that took him in and that's the reason why AR Fox has his match with Orange Cassidy because Darby put his neck out on the line for Fox to get this match with Orange last week. Orange would win the match by pinfall when Fox would miss the 450 splash and tweak his ankle. Orange would grab Fox's ankle, twist it, and then put him in some type of small package pinning maneuver to win the match. After the match, Orange would extend his hand out to Fox. Fox would just lay his hand in Orange's hand as payback for what Orange did to him at the beginning of the match when Fox did the exact same thing. When he extended his hand out to Orange, Orange just laissez-faire his hand into Fox's hand. Orange would put his glasses on AR Fox. Fox would take a photo with... uh, Orange Cassidy, but then when Orange turned his back, Fox would take the glasses off and break them, and then he would hit Orange Cassidy, knocking Cassidy to the mat. Fox would then have a snap out of character moment, and he just realized what he just did and quickly leave the ring, and once he starts walking up the ramp, Darby Allen, he would rush out and get an AR off Fox's face, start pushing him, asking him what's his problem. He would mention that he put his neck and his name on the line for Fox to get this match, constantly berating Fox, saying that's not how you're supposed to act when you lose. Fox would tell Darby, listen, my bad, dog. That wasn't me. He would say this constantly. And we would get more into Fox and Darby later in the night, but I'll get to that in a minute. Back inside the ring, Orange Cassidy, he would get to his feet, and John Moxley, he would run into the ring and hit Orange with a clothesline. And then pick him up and hit him with a paradigm shift. And this is Moxley's retaliation on Orange for hitting Claudio with an Orange punch at uh, ROH's Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view. So that's his retaliation. And we will get more into the retaliation into the main event. Because the main event was the Lucha Brothers going against the Best Friends, going against John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli. Now next up. Was Jack Perry, he comes out in orange and black gear to antagonize Hook and Taz. And remember, Jack Perry, he beat Hook for the FTW Championship last week. Jack would talk about that, saying that Hook took his ball and he went home after losing to him. And that the FTW Championship is a second-class title. And it wasn't legitimate until he won it. Jack would then tell Taz that if he was back in Taz's day, he would have beat up the wrestlers that Taz hung around with which would lead to Jerry Lynn coming to the ring. Jerry Lynn will tell Jack that it was guys like him and Taz that paved the way for guys like Jack today, and that if it wasn't for a place like ECW, there would be no Jungle Boy. Jerry Lynn would challenge Jack to a fight right now. Jack Perry will tell him that, hey, I'm not dressed for a match, but we can do this next week. So it was made official. Jack Perry will be having a face-to-face with Jerry Lynn next week. I don't think they're going to have a match. I think they're going to get some... ECW originals that they can get to probably be there to probably surround Jack Perry and probably beat up on Jack. That's what I'm hoping for, but we'll have to wait and find out next week. Next up was Pack going against Gravity, and they will play into the whole Gravity, Pack, the whole deal with Pac having a former nickname being the man that Gravity forgot, and Pac's constantly trying to tell Gravity, do you remember me? So I like seeing that. Side of Pack instead of him always being a mean snarly guy, he actually got to see some jokingness out of Pack at the beginning of the matchup here. But Pack still would win the match by submission by locking in the brutalizer on Gravity after hitting a brainbuster from the top turnbuckle. Now after this, we, our next match would be Swerve Strickland with Prince Nana in his corner going against Darby Allen who had Nick Wayne in his corner. Swerve would win the match by pinfall thanks to AR Fox's interference. When Swerve would hit Darby Allen with a Death Valley driver from the second turnbuckle onto the apron, Darby would be outside of the ring trying to collect himself, Swerve would be in the ring, and the ref would be busy seeing Nick Wayne stopping Prince Nana from entering the ring that he would miss seeing Darby Allen get to his feet, and A.R. Fox would throw Darby into the ring post. Now Darby would get to his feet again, but now he's stumbling. Swerve would grab him, pull him into the ring, and hit the JML driver for the win. After the match, A.R. Fox will get in the ring, beat up on Darby. Nick Wayne will go after Swerve, and as Nick is punching Swerve in the corner, A.R. Fox will grab Darby on a skateboard and hit Nick with it, laying him out. Nana will then extend a Mogul Embassy shirt to A.R. Fox, and Fox will accept it, so now A.R. Fox is part of the Mogul Embassy. I'm glad to see this. I'm glad Swerve is getting a lot of time on TV now. I'm glad that AR Fox is going to be getting a lot of time on TV now because AR Fox is a great talent. And now with him being this bad guy side, I would like to see this because I don't remember ever seeing AR Fox being a bad guy on the Independence a lot. He probably has. It just hasn't really hit my radar. So I'm glad to see this here. And I forgot until I saw on Twitter, Somebody may mention that Swerve and AR they actually have some uh, connection because they used to work against each other in Lucha Underground. And I remember that. And I saw the photo. I was like, oh, yeah. So now seeing those two connected back here on AEW Dynamite, AEW Television as a unit in a group, that's going to be great. Again, seeing more of Swerve on television is great. Seeing AR Fox on TV more now is going to be great. Hopefully, now we just complete that puzzle with Keith Lee sometime soon. That'll be great. Now, next up, Britt Baker going against Taya Valkyrie. Britt would win the match by submission when she would counter the Road to Valhalla and lock in the Lockjaw for the win. There you go. Main event, tag triple threat match. Lucha Brothers going against Best Friends, going against Mox and Claudio. The Lucha Brothers would win the match by pinfall when the Lucha Brothers would hit the Fear Factor on Trent Beretta. You had Orange Cassidy coming out trying to go after uh John Moxley for Moxley going after him earlier in the night. So Mox will be dealing with Orange and he would miss the fear factor trying to break up the pin. However, after the match, chaos just ensues. Everybody from each group just starts brawling with each other. You have the Luger Brothers, Blackpool Combat Club, uh Best Friends and Orange Cassidy just start brawling with each other. Everybody's out there except Pac. Pack was not out there. I hope they make mention of that next week, but we'll have to wait and see. But also next week, it was announced that there'll be a Anything Goes match triple threat with John Moxley, um, Trent Perretta, and Penta. I think that match is going to be great. I think you're going to see Moxley bleeding. I think you're going to see Penta probably bleed. Trent Perretta, I don't remember seeing bleeding in AEW or anywhere, so we might get to see Trent bleed next week, maybe. Since next week is AEW Dynamite's 200 episode, and I can't wait to see that. Also on that schedule, we have Chris Jericho and Kanosuke Takeshita going against Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia, and we will get more of the saga of whether Chris Jericho is going to be joining Don Callis's family or not. Um, Don is still playing those whole sympathetic family-type tropes with Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho would meet up with uh, 2.0 Ty Mello and Anna Jay later in the night, and you just see them trying to talk to Chris Jericho, asking him, what's he doing? Is he really doing this? And Chris would tell him, listen, this isn't easy for me. You guys think this is easy? And you just start seeing each one of them just like walk away from Jericho and tell Jericho, once you figure this out, then you will give us an answer. So right now, it just seems that Chris Jericho is just a man that's stuck between a rock and a hard place because he got his group, the Jericho Appreciation Society, and then he got the longtime friend-slash-brotherhood bond with Don Callis on the other end. So Jericho's really stuck between the middle, and next week we'll probably get an answer from Jericho. Is he really going to join Don Callis's group, or is he going to uh, stick with his group? So we'll have to wait and see next week what happens with that. But with that, that's your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the week. Now move over into Impact Wrestling. And Impact would start off with a tag team matchup. It is the Knockouts World Champion, Trinity, teaming up with Danny Luna going against The Coven, which consists of Taylor Wilde and Kylie King. Trinity and Danny would win the match by pinfall when Trinity would hit Taylor with a sit-out full Nelson Slam, then turn it into a pin. After the match... Former Knockouts Champion, Deanna Peraza, will come to the ring. And Deanna will tell Trinity that she will be getting her rematch for the knockout Championship at Emergence. And that was it. Plain and simple. So we have that match to look forward to at Emergence. Now we will go backstage. We will see the exhibition champion, Leo Rush, shining off his championship. And then you see Moose and Brian Myers walk up to Leo. And Brian would ask Leo, why didn't he help beat up the machine guns and Josh Alexander and Kashida last week. And Leo would just look at them and say, I don't know how you could even trust that guy. Bully Ray will pull up and Bully Ray will ask, you mean me? How can they trust me? Bully would tell Leo that he's too new to be even asking any of these questions. And Leo would have to tell all of them that, listen, I'm not here to try to be friends with anybody. I'm just here trying to try do my own thing. Moose would stop him right then and there and say, listen, we're all have a collective goal. We're all trying to get one piece of gold off of a particular someone. And they're talking about Alex Shelley taking the title off Alex. And Bully would tell Leo that they need to know Leo's answer before the end of the night, whether he's with them or against them. And we will get that answer sooner rather than later. Um, After this, we would get a Loser Leaves Impact matchup of Johnny Swinger going against Zicky Dice. Johnny Swinger would win the match by pinfall using his feet on the rope. This was a comedy match. Johnny and Zicky Dice, they were never really uh, serious wrestlers in Impact. They were always used for comedy spots here and there. And to further prove my point, the beginning of this match saw them do the finger poke of doom. And for people that are not aware of that, I'll make it short and simple. Back in the day in WCW when Kevin Nash was world champion, Hulk Hogan challenged Kevin Nash and they acted like they were going to fight. But Hogan, he just poked Kevin Nash in the chest. Kevin Nash took a fall to the mat. Hulk Hogan pinned Nash. And that was the beginning of the downfall for WCW. At least that's what people were been saying for years and years and even to today. So you would get Johnny and Zicky do this. Johnny would poke Zicky ziki would take a dive johnny would cover ziki but Zicky would get him into a small package and johnny would kick out so now you start seeing them at least get a little bit serious johnny swinger he would leave out of the ring tell Zicky, listen i'm not gonna do this i'm done my time is up ziki will leave the ring and try to tell johnny to get back in the ring so they can finish this honorably johnny would say nope my time is up it's your time now kid he would even tell Zicky to even get in the little old school WWF style of entrance cart that Johnny Swinger usually gets pushed out into and in his entrance. Zicky would do this. Johnny would push him. And as Zicky feels like he's got his moment, Johnny Swinger would clothesline Zicky out of that cart, throw him into the ring, cover him, and you would see Johnny put his feet on the rope. So now Zicky's out of Impact, Johnny Swinger still with Impact, there you have it. Again, comedy match. Next up, Giselle Shaw with Jay Vidal and Savannah Evans in her corner going against one half of the Knockouts Tag Team Champions, Masha Slamovich with her tag partner Kelly Kelly in her corner. Giselle would win the match by pinfall thanks to Jay Vidal and Savannah getting involved when Masha was in control looking to hit the snowplow on Giselle. Jay Videl would get on the apron and taunt Masha. Killer Kelly would yank Jay off of the apron. This would have Savannah attacking Kelly from behind. Masha will look at the action outside of the ring, and this will allow Giselle to roll up Masha and then hit her with a Dumont, which is a need to the face for the win. So it seems that Giselle and Savannah are going to get a future knockouts tag team championship match down the line. Now, after this, we have another tag match, Moose and Brian Myers going against the Time Splitters, which consists of Kashida and Impact World Champion Alex Shelley. The Time Splitters would win this match by pinfall when Brian Myers had Alex in a headlock and he was going to tag Moose in. Alex would quickly get Brian in a pinning maneuver and win the match. After the match, Moose would come in and attack Alex. Now you have all four guys in the ring just brawling with each other. Then Bully Ray would run down to the ring and help out Moose and Brian Myers. Then Josh Alexander would run into the ring to look out to even the numbers. Then Leo Rush would run into the ring. He would come in and attack Alex Shelley. So he's now sided with Brian Myers, Moose, and Bully Ray. Now we would get the returning Chris Sabin. He's hasn't been on impact since Clamiversary, which was last week. And Chris Sabin would run into the ring to even out the numbers. And now you have the good guys basically handling bully brian moose and leo rush and you will see all of them make their retreat to the back so we get our match made official at emergence is going to be the time splitters and chris Sabin and josh alexander going against moose brian myers bully ray and leo rush now next match up mike bailey going against zachary wentz with trey miguel in his corner zachary wentz would win the match by pinfall Thanks to Trey Miguel interfering when Mike Bailey was looking to hit Zachary with a spinning kick in the corner, but Trey would pull Zachary out of the ring. The referee would see this, tell Trey that he is barred from ringside. Trey would tell the ref that he isn't going anywhere. Now, this encounter between the ref and uh, Trey would have the ref miss Zachary, bring in a spray can and spray Mike Bailey in the face, and Zachary would then use this to hit a headlock driver for the win. So Zachary wins again wins the match. Now we go off to our main event. Eric Young going against Nick Aldous. Eric Young would win the match by pinfall using a Pile driver after the match. Deaner and Khan would attack Eric Young. You will have Diener instruct Khan to choke slam Eric Young three times, and then once he's done inflicting that damage. Diener would tell Khan to lift up Eric and throw him over to Diener so Diener could hit Eric Young with a DDT. And then you would see Diener just sit on Eric Young's stomach and Diener looks accomplished by beating up on Eric Young. Diener and Eric Young, they have a complicated relationship since Diener was a follower of Eric Young when Diener was in the design and Eric Young was leading the design or violence by design when Eric ran it and once Eric got quote-unquote killed last year by Diener. Uh, Diener's been running the design ever since, and now since Eric's back, Diener has a problem with Eric, so we're going to have to wait and see how that uh, gets handled out. I think we might see the return of Joe Doring, or if not Joe Doring, I can see the return of uh, Rhino helping out Eric Young, and that can just add another little uh, piece into that story between Diener and Eric Young because... They were the two guys that were manipulating Rhino when Rhino was a part of violence by design. So if Rhino comes back and he teams with Eric Young to go after Diener and Khan, that would just add another layer to this onion with the design and violence by design, all that business. But we'll have to wait and see what happens as future episodes of Impact, well, goes. Now with that, that's your Impact Wrestling, Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And now we move over to SmackDown. SmackDown will open up with Jay Uso being in the middle of the ring. Jay would do his shtick, main event Jey Uso is in your city. Then Roman Reigns' music would hit. Roman, Solo, and Paul Heyman will come down to the ring. Roman only has one championship, which is their brand new uh, WWE Undisputed Universal Heavyweight Championship belt. The one that was awarded to him by uh, Triple H for the thousandth day um, it looks like they're going to be retiring the WWE Championship and the Universal Championship, the blue strap. I mean, they will make appearance, like later in the night as background decorations, but I think Paul Heyman isn't going to be carrying those two belts anymore. I just found that as like, eh, I wish they would have kept Paul doing it because that just fits a better caricature of what we already know as Roman, an egotistical, like kind of maniac type of guy. And for him to have all three titles on him, would be a better fit than just having that one championship. But, hey, we'll do what we got here. Uh, Continuing on, Roman will get in the ring. Roman will say that Jay starting off SmackDown isn't right. Whenever Roman's on SmackDown, he will always start the show. Roman will tell Jay that he wants to be like the Tribal Chief and that for the last three years he has been relevant because of the Tribal Chief. Jay would say that Roman is wrong because he doesn't want to be the tribal chief. For the last three years, he followed Roman because he was a tribal chief and he believed in him. He believed that Roman could guide the family until Roman broke the family. Roman broke the bloodline. Now, you would hear Roman just like cast that aside and say, that's not true. Jay would say, you're the one that hurt Jimmy. Roman would say, that isn't true. Jay was the one that hurt Jimmy. And he would start trying to gaslight Jay, telling Jay that he became main event Jay Uso because Jimmy was hurt. And that was the case even three years ago. If Jimmy never got hurt, none of this would have happened. Roman would tell Jay that Jay, instead of going after his brother and make sure he's okay, what's he doing? He's going after a championship. And he would ask Jay why he thinks he can beat him. Roman would tell Jay that once he beats Jay, Jay will be scrubbed. From the books, he'll be kicked out of the family. Roman will play devil's advocate and say, Okay, let's just say you do win, miraculously. What? I'm going to be Roman Reigns? And you? Nah, they don't believe in that. And he will ask Jay, What makes you think you can beat me? Jay will tell Roman that he can do this because he's already beaten Roman. He is the one that has beaten Roman. He's the one that pinned Roman. And at SummerSlam, he's going to do it again. Now we would get away from that tense moment. Roman is feeling the gravity of it because he knows the words or what Jay just said is true. Jay was the one that pinned Roman at Money in the Bank. Jay is the one that was able to stop Roman. And it possibly could be the case at SummerSlam. Now we would go backstage. Jay Uso's walking backstage. Grayson Waller will walk up to Jay. And Grayson would say that, listen, once you lose to Roman, which we all know you will lose, why don't you come on my show, the Grayson Waller Effect, and I give you the Grayson Waller rub, and now you see Jay Uso laugh, Grayson Waller will laugh, Jay would pop Grayson in the jaw, and we would get a match made for the main event, Jay Uso going against Grayson Waller. Now moving away from this, we would go to the finals of the United States Championship Invitational, Rey Mysterio going against Santos Escobar. Austin Theory was watching. In the balcony, Santos would win the match by referee stoppage when Santos would hit Rey Mysterio with a suicide dive outside of the ring and Rey's head would hit the floor hard. Now, they would go to commercial and when they come back, Rey's being looked at in the ring by medical uh, personnel and medics would tell the ref that uh, Rey can't continue. So, you will see the ref tell the ring announcer that, yeah, Rey can't continue, we have to cut this match short, so... They will award the match to Santos Escobar. Now, with that, Santos will be facing Austin Theory in two weeks for the United States Championship. Now, moving over to LA Knight, Gordy Shanti the Adonis. LA Knight would win that match by pinfall using the blunt force trauma for the win. We will get a segment later in the night because they would announce that there will be a a, uh, Battle Royale at SummerSlam uh, sponsored by Slim Jim. And you will see L.A. Knight going up to Adam Pearce saying that he needs to be in that battle royale. Sheamus will pop in. Sheamus would talk some smack to L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight would talk some smack to Sheamus. And Pearce would announce that both of them are in the battle royale. But he will say that next week, you two could go one-on-one against each other to see who gets momentum going into SummerSlam. So, next week, L.A. Knight going against Sheamus. Now, next up after this, Bianca Belair and Charlotte Flair teaming up against the uh, women's tag team champions, Chelsea Green and Sonia Deville. Charlotte and Bianca would win the match by pinfall when Bianca would have Chelsea in position for the KOD, but Charlotte would tag herself in and hit Chelsea Green with a big boot. They cover her for the win. You have uh, Bianca kind of just like shouting at Charlotte, asking her, why did you tag yourself in? Why are you trying to take all the glory? Charlotte wouldn't try to hear it, and she just would, like, shoo Bianca away. And this is just to pump up the triple threat matches having at SummerSlam with Asuka, Charlotte Flair, and Bianca Belair. Next up, Karrion Cross with Scarlett in his corner going against Carl Anderson. Carl Anderson told AJ Styles and the rest of the club that he wanted to go out in that match by himself. So they allowed Carl to do this, but that would be a bad idea because Karrion Cross would win the match by pinfall by hitting the final prayer, which is a spinning like STO or flatliner. It's a crazy looking move. I've said it once on the show once, but you got to see it to actually know what the move looks like. Anywho, after the match, Karrion Cross will lock in Carl Anderson with the cross jacket and taunt AJ to come down to the ring. It Would work, AJ and the rest of the club would run to the ring. Karen Cross and Scarlett would leave the ring, so this continues to build AJ and Cross's uh, problems that they've been having. Then we move over to the main event. Jay Uso going against Grayson Waller, Roman Solo, and Paul Heyman will come down to the ring to watch the match. Jay Uso will win the match using Roman Spear and the Uso Splash. Now, I did like that there's one moment in this. Uh, match that we got to see Grayson Waller kind of taunt The Rock. He would hit Jey Uso with a spine buster, look to go for the people's elbow, and he does all this in front of Roman Reigns, Solo, and Jay, all whose family of The Rock, and you just saw Roman sitting there just smiling about it. I don't know what they're trying to do with Grayson Waller and The Rock. Maybe that could be a future program for Grayson. I mean, Grayson's a great talker, and he's a guy that can easily aggravate the crap out of someone. So I can see them putting him in the ring with The Rock sometime okay. soon, maybe. I mean, the whole actors are on strike right now, so I can see them probably having Rock come out like during SummerSlam or something like that, the way that they had uh, John Cena doing at uh, Money in the Bank in London. So we'll have to wait and see, but that's what I think might happen. Anywho, getting back to the big story. After the match, Solisicoa would come in the ring and attack Jay Uso. He would try to look to hit him with a small spike. Jay would duck it, and he would super kick Koa out of the ring. Roman would get in the ring. He would try to attack Jay, but Jay would duck it and hit Roman with the spear. Jay would bring Roman closer to the corner turnbuckle. So Jay can go up and try to hit the Uso splash. But Sosuko, he would get on the apron, push Jay off the top rope onto the ropes. And Jay's neck would hit the ropes. Now you see him like just drop down. And now you just start seeing Solo going to work on Jay. He would hit him with a spinning Solo. He will grab Jay by the hair. And you then see Roman get up. He starts psyching himself up. And then you see Jay get hit with a Samoa Spike and Spear combo. And you will see them lay Jay out. And then you just start hearing the crowd, like, taunt Roman to say, you got beat, you got beat. And Roman's not hearing it. He will have Solo get Jay up again. And you see Roman and Solo hit Jay again with a spear and small spike combo. And that's how SmackDown will end with Roman and Solo standing on top of Jay's prone body. And I'm going to get you completely honest here. They got one more week for SmackDown, and they're going to do a whole tribal combat deal at SummerSlam. And I'm saying it right now. I wouldn't be mad if Jay beats Roman for the championship off the fact alone that uh, Spear and Samoa Spike move, that finisher, that looked clean. Every time they always hit it, it looks clean. And they only hit that move literally three times, Roman and Solo. So for me, selfishly, Jay winning, and I see Roman and Solo being a legit tag team going after the tag belts and winning them. I don't think that'll be a bad thing. People might say that's kind of like a step down. I think that'll be a nice way to progress Solo into getting some championship gold on the main roster. And it also can just make it easy for Roman. Because let's be honest here, the tag titles haven't been nothing since the Usos like, lost the belts to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn at WrestleMania. And there's no disrespect to Kevin Owens and Sammy. It's just that they haven't had that, like, rivalry or type of match that the Usos had whenever they were in their reign as champions. So, again, they still got one more week. My mind might change, like, next week. But right now, I have no beef with Jay winning so we can get Roman and Solo going after the tag belts to keep that Spear and Simone Spike combo looking clean as ever, to be completely honest. But again, that's just me being selfish. Anyhow. That's your SmackDown Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And moving over to Rampage, um, we will start off with a tag team battle royale with the winners of the battle royale will be crowned number one contenders because Adam Cole and MGF have to go after FTR on Collision, which happens tonight. And the winners of the battle royale would be Big Bill and Brian Cage when they would lastly eliminate Butcher and the Blade. So Big Bill and Brian Cage are your new number one contenders, so they'll be facing off either against FTR or MJF and Adam Cole in the future. Next matchup, Commander going against Kip Sabian. Commander would win the match by pinfall when he would hit a springboard Canadian Destroyer, then walk the ropes to hit a shooting star press for the win. After this, we have the Kingdom going against two Scrubs. The Kingdom would win the match by pinfall using the Proton Pack, which is a backpack stunner. Slash running kick combination to win the match. Then we go to our main event Hukaru Shida going against Nyla Rose. Hukaru Shida would win the match using the katana, which is basically a uh, spinning kick to the head after countering the beast bomb. Now, after the match, the Outcast will come out on the stage, and it was announced that on next week's episode of AEW Dynamite, which would be their 200th episode, Tony Starr will be defending the AEW Women's Championship. Against Hukarashita, and that is your AEW Rampage wrestling highlights of the week. And now we move over to the G1 Climax. Last week I gave you the standings. This week I will give you an update on the standings as it pertains right now. In Block A, Sonata is carrying that block with ten points. In Block B, right now it's a tie for first place. It is Will Ospreay and Okada at eight. In Block C, we have a three-way tie right now. We have David Finley, Evil, and Tamatanga with 6. And in Block D, the man who is leading that block is Jeff Cobb with 8. Now, everybody in this, well, everybody in each block only have two more matches to grab more points. But right now, Sonata has clinched a spot in the quarterfinals. For the people that don't know, in the quarterfinals, you have... Uh, block A, block B, block C, block D, the people that are holding the most points, number one and number two for each block, they'll be making it over to the quarterfinals, and that's when you start seeing people just start doing battle with people in different blocks. Like in the quarterfinals, they have it set up for uh, block A's, the number one person who's got the most points, going against block C's second person. And continuing on, block B's number one will go against block D's number two, Block C, number one, going against Block uh, B's number two. And then Block D's number one will go against Block A's number two. For people that want to know about all this stuff, go to Wikipedia. They'll update it and they'll let you know who's going to be in each quarterfinals. But as I said, the IWGP World Champion, Sonata, has clutched a spot in the quarterfinals. So he's going to be there whether he loses the last two matches or wins them. He's already in there. So it's up to people to get their last uh win their last two matches to at least try to gain some points to make it to the quarterfinals but with that that is your g1 climax uh standings as it is right now and remember the winner of the g1 they will be getting a shot to face off against the iwgp world champion at wrestle kingdom now moving over to nxt's uh great american bash the predictions for the show uh, first, we start off with the triple threat match for the NXT North American Championship: Dominic Mysterio, Wesley, Mustafa Ali. I think Dominic is going to retain the title. He just got that belt what last week. He getting main uh television attention on it. You got Raw covering it. You got NXT covering it, and even SmackDown. The hater Michael Cole, who doesn't like Dominic, he'll talk about it from time to time. So he's getting all the WWE coverage for the NXT brand. So I think Dominic's going to hold on to that. And I think because of Wes and Mustafa Ali trying to see who's going to beat Dom, that's going to be the point of it. So Dom retaining. And also Rhea Ripley's interference. Submission match for the NXT Women's Championship. Tiffany Stratton going against Thea Hale. Tiffany's going to win. I just want to know what type of submission she's going to pull out. Again, I think she might use a, a single leg Boston Crab, maybe. Or probably even some type of old school, like, crazy looking like submission that we haven't seen in a long time but just for some reason i think the single a boston crowd would just work for tiffany if they go with that but that's why i think tiffany's gonna retain the title uh gallus defending the nxt tag team titles against tony d'angelo stacks the family i think tony d and stacks are gonna win the tag team titles i think they were going to do it at uh nxt stand and deliver in hollywood but they just decided to keep the titles on Gallus because that's when you introduce Joe Coffey to realign him back with his brother and his friend Wolfgang, the Gallus boys. But now since Joe Coffey has been established and Gallus has been established and NXT has a unit, I think the family's going to win it. And we finally get Tony D'Angelo some gold around his waist. Next up, Gable Steveson going against Baron Corbin. Gable Steveson is going to win the match because I don't think they're going to have him lose in his debut match. Again, it's a rarity whenever they ever do that, but I think they're not going to do that here. I think Gable Stevenson, again, being an Olympic uh, wrestler, being a NCAA wrestler, they're trying to prep him up as a Brock Lesnar, uh, Kurt Angle type. Again, with the athletic background of both of those men, they see great potential in Gable Steveson. I want to see what he can do, so I'm going to be watching that match focused because Baron Corbin, he's a good choice to uh, have for Gable Stevenson. Baron Corbin was the guy that uh, retired Kurt Angle, so we can kind of flux that in with Gable Stevenson again, with the amateur background and all that stuff, and Corbin trying to just mock someone like Gable Steveson. I can see that kind of being in there, but we'll have to wait and see. But Gable Stevenson wins the match. Weapons wild, which means weapons are used... And weapons are everywhere. Roxanne Perez going against Blair Davenport. They're in Texas. I think Roxanne is going to win. But if Blair Davenport wins, I wouldn't be shocked by this. Because I think they need some type of big booing element. So, Blair beating the hometown girl Roxanne in front of her people. I don't think that would be a bad look. Because Roxanne, she had a great year in NXT. I mean, she started off this year winning the NXT Women's Championship. Last year, she came in and she won just about everything. And she's been having a great time in NXT. So her passing off the rub a little bit to Blair Davenport at NXT Great American Bash, I don't see that being a bad thing. I think that's what should happen. So Blair Davenport wins the match. Main event, NXT Championship. Carmelo Hayes going against Ilya Dragunov. I sense Carmelo Hayes is going to win it. Carmelo is the guy. He's the guy that's going to lead NXT into whatever they want NXT to be led into with the main roster now being focused and showing down on NXT. Um, I think Trick's going to interfere, and I think Carmelo's not going to like it. I think Carmelo is starting to see more of Trick losing his temper more. Trick is starting to lose his temper more, to be more specific, because we saw that on NXT this week with him and Ilya Dragunov. So I can see Trick interfering, Carmelo not knowing about it until after he sees the replay, he'll talk to Trick about that. Trick will probably walk off from Melo, and we'll start seeing a little bit of dissension between Melo and Trick. And hopefully they don't break up, because I want to see Trick and Melo stay together, but, I mean, it'll be natural Uh, progression if they do decide to like move trick away from mellow but i still want those two guys to be a team they don't always have to be together by the hip you can start moving them along but they always be boys so hopefully that's what they do but if not and we see trick literally just walk away from mellow at the end of NXT's uh pay-per-view i wouldn't be shocked by that and i don't think people would be too mad about it to be honest but anyhow this match is going to be great Melo, Ilya Dragunov, but is going to win and uh, retain the NXT championship. Now, with all that being said, this has been your wrestling highlights of the week. Presented by my My Two Cents podcast. Please, everyone, keep yourself hydrated. It's still hot out there in certain places. Uh, keep yourself quenched. And I will speak to you guys, well, tomorrow on Sunday, if you listen to the Sunday episode. But if you don't, you'll hear from me again next week. So I love you guys. Please be careful out there. Please be safe. I'll see you guys later.